Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Consistency again for us. Woo woo. Um, We have a surprisingly a lot to talk about. We came in thinking we didn't have a lot to talk about. And now we have a lot to talk about. about. Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a long one. Um, There will be some rants for just fair warning. Um, But we're going to begin um, with a little bit of wrap up from last week's episode and discuss the um, conclusion of the Women's Super League in England. They had their last games this weekend. Chelsea held out to win. Arsenal second. Sad. Um, And Man City will take the third Champions League spot, um, placing third. Ultimately, I feel like we, this is sort of what everyone expected. There was still a chance for Arsenal to jump Chelsea on the last day, had Man United uh, not lost to Chelsea. But yeah, um, and I Man feel United like I did actually played them pretty well until Sam Kerr just decided yeah. to be Sam Kerr. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, Sam Kerr be Sam Kerr. Yeah, and I don't think that Arsenal can feel too bad about it. They had a lapse in the middle of the season, which allowed this to happen. I will say the big thing is Viviana Miedema's contract is up. She is not re-signed yet, and I heard a rumor, I she's, heard going a rumor to she's going to Barcelona. <laughs> so, yes, I heard this too. Luckily, it's a team I still like. I will be sad. I still love my life, and Barcelona will become – not just the best team in the world, but like the best team, like exponentially if she joins. I I think it would be a bit of a shame if Miedema went to Barcelona. I think, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know that Barcelona really need her. I don't think they um, do either, which, because they have a, whatchamacallit, whose name I now forget. Well, they just don't really need her. And and also, like, I just feel like she's got such a good thing going with Arsenal. And, like, Arsenal, I don't know. I just don't – I don't really see the need for the move. I, I think that think Arsenal that is, is – either. And I hope that she doesn't. I don't know. I don't – I think there's rumors. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll she's see. really said anything. Nothing is for sure. Nothing has been decided, but I will see. But that is a rumor I have heard floating about. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but looking forward to now that the season's ending, looking forward to the um, Euros that are this summer. That'll be fun. Yep. To see what happens, to see some of these players play. Um, and I do think that next season's going to be fun. I mean, just to see who ends up transferring into the WSL or just moving yep. around Europe a little bit more. Um, yep. We will uh, keep you appraised of those developments as they, as they happen. And I'm sure we will talk plenty about the women's Euros when they begin. So moving on to our second topic of the changing of the Champions League rules because why ruin something that's fine and make it worse? So in case you missed, uh, (laughs) if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
<laughs> it might be broken, but I think it's more broken with the new format than it is currently. All right, so. let's let's break down what the new new format is for any of you who. And this is starting in either. Yes, this is starting twenty twenty four. Sorry. Okay, so we have a couple of years to reminisce about the old times before this. But happens. I will say, um, we'll we'll just recap for y'all, um, in case you missed it or like us didn't understand at first and you unlike us did not have 40 minutes to talk through it and figure out <laughs> what the fuck any of this meant but um we figured it out so we're we're ready to tell you now so we, essentially we're sure we figured it out we just want to like okay no, no no i'm confident that i figured it out okay um basically we are adding some more teams uh Classic. to the champions league we are adding more teams and more games. Essentially, we are going- And we are getting more money. Sorry, I had yeah, to say so, it. I'm so sorry. No, I, you're, um, I'm salty. We're moving, to, we're moving to a 36 team format. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're adding four additional teams. Um, and that's sort of the, the, the like headline of it. But we are also doing away with the group stage as we know it. Um, so it took us a little while to understand the, they call it the Swiss model. It is based after apparently a Swiss chess, chess sort of situation. Um, Who knows? Which, okay, sure. We all watch the Queen's Gambit <laughs> chess. Um, I really hope that's but, where like the chess expertise are coming from these days, but yeah. Well, that's where my chess expertise is coming from these days, but anyways um essentially how it's going to work is that each of the 36 teams will all be drawn into four pots every team will pay two teams from each pot so you will if you're in pot one um you will pay two other teams in pot one two teams in pot two two teams in pot three and two teams in pot four for a total of eight games each so you will not pay, play the same team twice. You will only play every team one time. Um, you still cannot play teams from the same association as you. So like City can't play Liverpool or, you know, Madrid cannot play Barcelona. Um, but you will play one team from each pot home and one team from each pot away. So that will then, basically the point of this is A, to add another game. Um, but it is also to, uh, or another two games, excuse yep, me. Two games. Um, but it is also to, you know, create some larger headline matches um, in the earlier stages. So you're going to have essentially big name, big name teams playing probably four big name, te- four other big name teams um, in those group stages. Um, so you're going to have, you're going to have Madrid City. Bayern Liverpool matches up multiple of those types of matchups in the new group stage format. Essentially, how this is going to sort of feed into the round of 16 is they're not playing in a like winner sort of situation. There isn't like a top two finisher. Basically, these will all be seated in an overall table, one through 36. Um, so like you it's the same sort of style as a normal table. You know, you win, you get three points, you tie, you get one, you lose, you get zero. The top eight teams after those first eight games 
will be automatically qualified for the round of 16 um, and will get seeds. After that, places nine through 24 will play a sort of like mini round basically where they will get matched up against each other and play a two leg game. And the winners of the those two leg games will then also progress to the round of 16. The remaining teams, so teams 24 through 36 who are disqualified or who are out after the first round, as well as all the teams that lose in their two-legged competition, um, none of those teams get drop out, get dropped to the Europa League. Um, I think that is worth noting. Very worth noting. And then essentially from the round of 16, it proceeds as we know it. Um, so it's really just a change to the group stage um, to allow as at least two matches, but four more matches for some teams. Um, I'm going to speak a little bit for UEFA because I'm going to speak a little bit on my opinions about this, and then mm-hmm. let Rachel go because um, I think she's a little bit more impassioned about that. I care about it. Why well, I'm impassioned about it? I'm a little matter. I'm a little calmer about it. I think than she is. She was getting really worked up. I had to stop when we were figuring it out how it worked earlier. She I've kept trying to go on a rant. Day. My she kept sucks. trying to go. She kept trying to go on a rant. And I was like, save it for the podcast. Um, but um, I essentially think that in, at the end of the day, this hurts the sort of non-Champions League favorites. Um, I think, you know, teams like City and Liverpool and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and sort of the big guys that are sort of like in positions to favorites to win the Champions League. Those are the teams that are going to be finishing top eight in that origin in that group stage and therefore are only going to play two extra games. Now, I do not think that we should be adding any more games to an already overcrowded schedule, but only two additional games for most of those teams um, is, you know, they will be happy with only two additional games. They, who will be playing four additional games are your teams like Salzburg and um, yeah. Villarreal and sort of those teams or Ajax, those teams who sometimes make sort of upset late runs, um, but, you know, don't necessarily kick everyone's ass. You know what I mean? They, they have those sort of scrappier wins. And I think ultimately then they're going into the round of 16, having played two more games, it's tougher. Um, and I also think those are the teams that do not have the type of roster depth that can handle additional games. That is, I think, a big part of why these teams struggle late in the Champions League already, because they just don't have the roster depth to rotate in their leagues or their cup competitions. Mm -hmm. They have to play the same teams in all of their competitions. And so I think that's also, that's already a reason why some of these teams struggle in the later stages of the competition, um, as opposed to teams like City and Liverpool and Bayern and Real Madrid and PSG and, you know, those types of guys who can afford to rotate their rosters um, and rotate their their team selection. Um, They have the depth to do that. So I think ultimately this this hurts the uh, you know the Ajaxes and the Salzburgs and the Villarreals of the of the world, and all it really does is create even more games that we don't need, um, and it, yeah, it makes money for UEFA 
I mean, yes. we all know at the end of the day, this is making money for UEFA. Um, that's what this is about. I, yeah. I also, so yes. I don't know why I'm so pissed about this. I just think I'm annoyed. Also, my team doesn't even play in the Champions League, so I shouldn't even be annoyed, but here I am still annoyed. I just, well, A, I just am pissed at UEFA because it, the only reason that they are doing this, they aren't doing this to benefit the clubs, and they're not doing this to somehow benefit the quality of football being played. And you can say that there's going to be more games against top-ranked teams, but in my mind, that doesn't mean that the game is going to be good. There were there. It also, games- it also at the end of the day, like isn't going to matter. Like those teams are still going to be the ones that are playing late in the game. Like it doesn't matter that they play an extra time. Like, right. And that makes me feel like it devalues that game. Agreed. And then it also just like. Like, it's fun. It is fun. I, I mean, I, I don't think that, like, group stage games held that much of, like, a power anyway until, like, maybe the end when a team was trying to get in, mm-hmm. right? But it's fun when, like, in the round of 16, you have, I don't know, Real Madrid, PSG, and it's, like, the first and only time they're playing each other all season, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal. And, then like, and it's just, I think you're right. I think it devalues those games to like in 10 years from now, are we even going to give a shit No. when like PSG plays Real Madrid because they're going to pay each other five times a year. Yeah. It's not as big of a deal. Like the whole point of the champions league is like you get the top teams of each league to play each other. But the idea is like they play each other like once a year and it's a massive deal because they're playing each other that one time and like that's the moment of supremacy if they play each other four times in a year who the fuck cares even the simple fact that like for example city and liverpool played each other three times this year yes and like by the time they were playing the third time (laughs) like it was i mean i didn't get to watch the third game for a number of reasons but like they're just like it deep like even teams in the their own league only play each other like two to three times a year maybe four if they're in an, a cup competition and they happen to play each other in both a cup in two cup competitions yeah um you know like we're adding additional times for these teams to play each other only actually devalues that game and so yeah, like I'm like, less likely, like it's not going to make me any more likely to watch like that game in the group stage if I like expect them to play each other again in the knockout. Right? Like I'm not going to be like, yeah. oh my God, I'm sitting on because like this is going to be a great oh game. Oh my God, I have to see, I have to see Bayern, you know, Liverpool because they are going to play each other once and they might not play again in the Champions League next year. Right. Whereas like, you're going to add the odds of like, okay, so City plays Bayern this year. City might play Bayern more than once this year and also is probably going to play them again next year. Like, I stop caring. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, I watch the vast majority of Champions League games anyway. Yeah, I do too. And honestly, the more entertaining games are the games with the underdog. Like Salzburg-Bayern. Salzburg-Bayern, the first first leg of Salzburg-Bayern was one of the best games in the Champions League this year. And it was so entertaining. I think I'm devaluing the idea of like an underdog and of these teams 
they think that the money and the fan base are on the two big teams playing each other. And I think that's a drastic um, misinterpretation of like what makes football so great. I also think it's a really, I think it is a very poor character um, assumption about fans of the sport. 100%. And I think like, okay, maybe like a random person who is not actually like a fan of the sport and just kind of like fucks around on the edges of it is going to watch those bigger name games. But like, I'll tell you right now, I watch every single city game that I am like literally, that I, if I am able to watch the city game, I do watch it. I don't yeah. really, it literally doesn't matter who they're playing. Um, I will watch it whether or not. I also watch the vast, I watch any Champions League game I can watch regardless of who is playing yeah like during the group stages I'll watch nobody play nobody like I will watch watch I will watch young young boys play Dynamo Kiev like which you know like be a really fun game like (laughs) which they tend to be entertaining games like I will literally watch anybody like oh I remember who was it I think this was a group stage game this year Salzburg Sevilla Dude, that uh, game was fucking crazy. That was one of that game was crazy. Was, and yeah. nobody was fucking watching that game because Man United was playing at the same time. But the Man United game was fucking bullshit. Didn't matter or like wasn't a good game. And Salzburg Sevilla was fucking batshit. And like, yeah. And I just think like, okay, like, yeah, Salzburg Sevilla is probably still gonna play, but like you're not actually i think like increasing viewership i'm gonna be honest the most entertaining games in this new format will probably be the 9 to 24 wait 9 to 24 yeah that those like playing games yeah the less probably will. lesser teams those are going to be the most entertaining games i agree because it's not the teams it's the situation in which you place the teams in that makes a game yeah. intense uh-huh it does not matter who is playing it because yeah. no matter what, the two teams will face off and it will be fun. Yeah, I just think that it's ultimately an entirely unnecessary change. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have my issues with the Champions League as a competition. Actually, it's not really the Champions League as a competition, but I, I have my issues with the value placed on the Champions League. Um, Mainly because she's a City fan a and she hates Liverpool fans, but that's okay. No, I hated it before that. I think it's a weird, like, oh, this is, like, the best team. But, yeah, I just think, like... And it's, like, sometimes annoying when your team has to play another good team in the round of 16. But also, I just, like... Ultimately, my opinion on the general Champions League is that so much of the Champions League format, as it exists now, relies on luck. Yeah. Obviously not, obviously not all of it. Usually, the team that wins the Champions League like probably should win the Champions League. Yeah. Um, and they usually play some tough games and have to beat tough opponents to get there. But there's a lot of the Champions League that relies on luck. And there's, you know, and I think that, I think that a team winning only the Champions League and that being their only trophy any given year is not enough to say that they're the best team in Europe. Yeah. Um, no, and I would that agree is, with that. That is quite literally my, my only issue with it. No, um, and I think, I mean, there. I just think that the circumstances a of, of a tournament format in any sport, yeah, a tournament no, style always, format, always relies on a little 100%. bit of 100%. And there's, um, all, I mean, I, I yeah, exactly. Like you see it in anything. And 
that's fine. That's how it is. And that's why you have your leagues where you have yeah. a table and you play and that's the why entire I think, year like, and the decision is made based on the entire year. And yeah. in my mind, it's a fine balance to have. I, yeah. But you have to acknowledge that fact about the two yeah, competitions. I, that's my thing. Yeah. That's my thing is that like, I think if you win your league and the Champions League or you win like then not even a treble, like if you just win a double, like the Champions League in your league, I think you can probably make a pretty strong argument that you're the best team in Europe. Yeah. I, I think it's difficult to, it would be difficult to convince me that you are the best team in Europe if you only win one competition. Yeah. Like, I think you can make an argument because you have to argue well, you don't about think it. Arsenal was the best team in Europe after winning the FA Cup. Uh, you know, I'm afraid to say <laughs> you can say that, but just like I can say, like, I don't think you can say with a hundred percent certainty that like, you know, the years that Madrid won the champions league, but Barca won the league. Like, I don't think you could say Madrid is unquestionably the best team in Europe. You can make an I'm argument. You can make an, I'm not saying you can't yeah. make an argument. I'm just saying like the people who treat whoever wins the champions league as the unquestionable best team in Europe, I think is a mischaracterization of the tournament. But I don't think that this new format is going to change that at all. No, I, I, I don't think so either, but. Which isn't like, like a, like there's still a massive amount of luck. There's just extra yes, games and I like don't, you might play better teams but I, I still don't my, think it's going to add my, any like intensity to the group stage games no like I think my ultimate point is that it doesn't actually change anything about the so competition why changing it so why are we changing money it, right like money, money. yeah it's not like we're we're turning it into correct. the same amount of teams but we're playing it league style yeah like that would actually change the that's like the outcome of the, of the you Which know? I don't think they, I don't think they should do that. No, no, no. I'm not saying they should do that. I'm no, just, just saying like, that. yeah, I'm not, I'm not absolutely not saying they should do that. I think that would be kind of pointless. Like, I feel no, like stupid. the whole point of the Champions League is that it's a tournament. Yeah. And it's fun that way because you get the crazy, like, my thing is like, this new format is going to make it much harder for a Real to reach the semifinals like they did this mm -hmm. year, because not mm -hmm. only are they playing more games, but they're creating it so that it's becoming a lot harder for them to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I still think it would be funny if one of them did. It'll be, it'll, again, we have what, two, two more years. So things could change, but it's just we'll interesting see. to think about. Anyway, value, moral of the just story. Remember, value moral what you of have the while story. You yeah, moral of the story, we don't like it. <laughs> Um, yeah, just remember the value of away games and away goals as we did not have to think about them this Champions League, which made it much more boring, unexciting, and actually impacted some of the games. So, yeah. sad. Maybe they'll reinstate that. They should, maybe. I love away goals. I miss away goals. I loved away goals. It allowed although, for chaos. Although I will say, I do think that the... Oh, the getting rid of the away goal rule in comparison to these changes makes a lot more like logical sense. Yes. Because that, I do yeah. think, because I do think like away matches and versus home matches don't make quite as much of a difference as 
like these days than they did, you know, 10 years ago. I do think stadium atmosphere is less impactful yeah. um, than it used to be. So I do think that like that decision, while I don't like it and means makes for less chaos, um, I just like the chaos. I mean, who doesn't yeah, like the no, chaos? Like the whole the whole fun of the Champions League is that it's ridiculous and chaos, that, like, and that's why and it's, it's right. And we watch it unpredictable. Like the yeah. whole point of the Champions League is that it's completely unpredictable. So, like changing away goals. Like my only issue really with the away goal thing was that it gets rid of the chaos of that. Yeah. You know, like it, that one actually makes logical sense to me. But the, this is just pretty blatantly a money grab which is not ideal not ideal at all because it's going to be worse for the players worse for the clubs worse for everyone except UEFA yep anyway we'll continue tracking this as it develops over the next few years but we still have some time with the classic champions league so we better value it while we have it Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Um, so uh, there were games over the weekend. There were also games, a bunch of games midweek. Um, everybody, I think at this point is caught up. Everything, everybody is. We're all in the same playing field with two games left, I think. Yeah, I think everybody is. I'm going to double check that right now, but I'm pretty sure everybody, except for Man United. Why um, are you so far behind? No. Okay. So there's a couple teams that still have three games left to play. So there must be some midweek games next week too. Wait, but Man United has played 37 games. So they only have one game left? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, could not tell you. Yeah, so we have- And Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, and Leicester all have an extra game to play. Yeah, so we have a number of games that are going to be midweek next week. Um, Everton, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Burnley, and Chelsea, Leicester are all going to be next Thursday. Um, before championship Sunday. Wait, there really are so, all at the same time. <laughs> we lied to you, listeners. There really are not all at the same. Uh, what are not at the same time? Those three games. The same time. No, um, the same number of games played. Oh yeah, no, we're total. Li- we're total liars. We're full <laughs> shit. Um, the top five, however, <laughs> actually the top nine, with the exception of Man, Man United, United, who for some reason have somehow played 37 games already literally they played 37 and no one else has played 37 genuinely unclear truly don't understand i literally don't know like is that not really possible yes um, i weird i don't i it is it must be just be that one of the one of the teams that has 36 games to play has like I don't know how to explain it it makes sense in my brain I, it doesn't matter anyway it makes sense and then I think about it, it doesn't make sense anyway, anyway we're reason, not going to try to understand United, Man United this no, season we're not going to try to understand <laughs> we're not going to try to understand them but um we will say um a couple of results from the weekend yeah some results from the weekend. Notable, some really notable ones, actually. Um, most notable result of the weekend is that Liverpool and Spurs drew 1-1. One, <gasps> one. 
Liverpool dropped points. How this rude. This is by far, by All I far ever needed the most, from them was to fucking win the game. Um, this is by far the most notable thing of the weekend, honestly, for both teams. Um, both teams dropped points, but neither team dropped three points. They both dropped two. Um, so this opens up the gap at the top of the league to a full three points. Um, City then said bet and absolutely clapped Newcastle on Sunday. It was a five nothing thrashing. Um, two goals from Sterling, one from uh, Foden, one from De Bruyne, one from Laporte. Um, an absolute just dismantling. Um, some other notable results: Chelsea drew Wolves. Brighton beat Man United for nothing because Man United. That was the best game I've watched. It was so entertaining. <laughs> it could have been five. Like truly, truly, what the fuck? Um, yeah, Arsenal beat Leeds. Everton beat Leicester. Um, Everton has been on a bit of a of a, an upswing. Um, yeah, because they fucking the realized they were about to get relegated. They were like, ah, fuck. So then yep. They improved. They've turned it around. Um, or at least it looks like it, but. Um, then we get to the midweek games. We had some pretty uh, ultimately fairly expected results. Um, Aston Villa gave Liverpool quite a bit of trouble on Tuesday, but Liverpool pulled it out in the end for a win. Um, no more dropped points. Um, it looked Mane had to come score for them fairly, yeah. fairly mm-hmm. late. Um, well, I guess it wasn't that late, but in the second half. They squeaked half, it out. They squeaked it out. Um, it was, uh, Aston Villa definitely put up a fight. Um, and then yesterday, City just thrashed wolves <laughs> five Kevin one. De Bruyne um, and all Kevin De Bruyne scores. scored four goals um and three in like which, 20 minutes or something ridiculous like that um there were he had a hat trick inside the first 24 minutes the goals themselves were scored in I believe 17 17 minutes yep um it was 7 16 in the 24th minute um and then he scored again in the 60th um and then Raheem Sterling wrapped it all up with goal number five but yeah it was a thrashing um city have been just thrashing everybody in the premier league recently they've their last three results are 5-1-5-0-4-0-5-1 yeah so their last what five games they've scored at least four goals i would like Um, to give it to them for um coming off that terrible loss in the Champions League and really just being like, that was what it was. It was one game, but we are winning this title and screw you to everyone who thought that we were going to like. Yeah, as of about two weeks ago, Liverpool had the advantage on City in terms of goal difference. Uh, They do not anymore. The goal difference is now City is at plus 72 and Liverpool is at plus 65. So City now have a seven-goal lead on that on that Liverpool goal difference. Um, and at this point, City only need four points out of their last two games to officially win the league. Um, at the end of the day, though, I'm going to be honest, odds are they only need to win one of them. Yeah. Because even if City loses to either West Ham or Aston Villa, the chances that they lose by more than one goal are not particularly high. And without two losses, if they win at least one game, then the best Liverpool can do is tie them in terms of overall points. 
and yeah. goal differential does appear. Scoring all these goals for City has been very, very helpful. Um, it is unlikely that that goal difference will turn around against them. Not impossible. So, you know, City will obviously play for wins for both games, but City do appear to have one hand on the trophy. Yes. Um, yeah. That's uh, Kevin O'Brien had a great game. Good stuff. Anything else you want to say about the Premier League? Why am I an Arsenal fan? Can you answer that question for me? You hate yourself? I've always hated myself for it. Um, If people are not caught up, all we had to do was not shit the bed against Tottenham. That's all we had to do. Do you want to know what we did? Did you shit the bed? Like terribly. Two yellow cards for Rob Holding within 33 minutes, red card, and then 3-0 loss. Honestly, could have been exponentially worse. However, instead of continuing our lead, we only have a one-point lead against Tottenham with two games left. And knowing Arsenal, we will no longer be in the top four by the end of the season. Why do we just blow it every single time? I try and have hope. It sneaks in there like they're pretending they're going to give me hope. And then it vanishes like some blew out a candle. I will say this about today's game. Um, I did only watch the first 33 minutes. <laughs> um, once the Rob Holding got red carded, I was like, you know, this is not going to be that interesting of a game anymore. I'm going to go. Um, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But at least I, I will say. I thought that the first Spurs goal, which was a penalty, was one of the softest penalties I have seen in quite some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I even, I will admit to saying that I thought the red card was soft, but I did say that thinking that it was a straight red because I missed Holdings first yellow. Um, yeah. I, I still think it was a little bit rough to give as a second yellow. Um, but his elbow does connect with Son's face. Yes. Son may be down. Son is bent half over. But like and, if and he holding had... is also holding is also turned away from him. He's yeah. not looking at Son. He's looking at the ball. I like I just think it's I think it's a I don't think it's a necessarily an unfair call. I do think it is on the harsher side. But yeah. I have less issue with that call than I do with the PK call. I, th- I think the PK call is just fucking soft. Yeah, um, I don't like the PK call. Um, I thought it, and, and I'm, you know, coming but from But also, I would, and I, I don't want to, I do like Son, and I don't want to not, he gave holding so much trouble down that left side. No, I, leading up I'm to the red saying... card. And I'm not trying to get, I, mm, I hate Tottenham, but I don't think holding dealt with that well enough. And I do, I mean, I put it on him. And this is the problem with Arsenal players. And I, oh, I just, I, it's a continuous cycle of players not being able to understand where they're at in the game. There's multiple times when a player has gotten a red card in a very important game, stupidly. Um, yeah, that does seem to be a that trend. Poor coaching, maybe, is it poor team culture, team awareness of like the game? But, it's not the first time this has happened, which is honestly the more frustrating aspect of it is that uh-huh. it's almost, it wasn't expected, but it was definitely not surprising that something like this happened. Right. 
So, well, it's Arsenal. an unfortunate happening. I mean, again, we're still a point up. We probably have a little bit of a harder road. We have Newcastle and then Everton. Yeah. Tottenham has Burnley and someone else. Tottenham has, I'll tell you, Burnley Burnley and Norwich. Norwich. So, like, but honestly, you just have to win, right? It doesn't matter what Tottenham does. You just have to win your two games. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully it wasn't too – I mean, it could have been – a lot more than three, honestly, after Son's goal in the second, right at the beginning of the second half, the rest of the game was boring. Nothing really happened, mm-hmm. um, which I suppose can be a positive thing uh, in the sense of we weren't completely destroyed or obliterated. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially given your man down. Exactly. So I'm not giving up hope, but I am also not allowing myself to have hope because when I do, I guess disappoint you. Um, but you know, it'd be great for us to be in the Champions League. I understand. Like it just I think I I dislike it more because it's Spurs who would do it to us. Right. Honestly. Right. Um, but it's setting up to be, as we've been saying, some very exciting end of the season games coming up in the yep. next couple of weeks. Um so it'll be exciting to watch those and keep you all updated on that. But I think that kind of rounds up our kind of discussion of the most recent Premier League games. Our last the topic of the, of the transfer day. window saga that has the elephant, done. the elephant in the room, where you're like, why has this bitch who's so big on until City the end. not talked about this yet? We had, we just were waiting until the end save the best for last Ugh. um ew <laughs> ew um would you like to do we are honors? of course we are of course discussing the fact that it was officially announced on tuesday that erling holland will be joining manchester city next year um dun dun which, which of course delights me and angers basically everyone else yes um but you know what i love a little bit of anger stay mad about it babes stay mad about it and honestly Um, my only annoyance with it i will say is just the fact that like they were able to buy someone for like 100 mil last year and like they're doing it again i don't know how much to be fair no to be fair actually city are way underpaying for holland they are only paying they're paying less release clause is what like 70 mil yeah and that's way underpaying for him. I mean, this is a player on the open market who could probably wouldn't shock somebody to go for more than 200. I should also say 70 million is still a lot of money. And no, yes, it 70 million is still a lot of money. But I just think like comparatively to some big name players and their movements over the past couple of years, 70 mil is a steal for a 21 year old. Sure. I still, I mean, I will, I will still be annoyed. And it's, again, I've said this before and it's not just city and I don't want to make out that I'm only being annoyed at city for being funded by the fossil fuel industry. But um, I find it, anno- I, it just, it, it annoys me that teams can have unlimited supplies of money to allow almost stacking their teams and not really having a care for, oh, I've spent all this money the year before, but I can just spend again because I can, this is not a fault on solely city. 
And I'm I do not have to Holland to go to city. No, like, I understand what you're me. saying. I just, I have a little bit, there have been some criticisms of Holland's decision to oh. go to city um, and the ethics of it. Um, Can you say more? I haven't, I honestly yes, haven't yes. read much into no, it. So. I, I've obviously talked a lot, done a lot of, you know, sort of reading and listening yeah. um, of stuff about this and also about the, the phrase and the rich get richer. Um, mm, interesting. Now, I don't think that anyone is really going to argue that Holland going to city is not a case of the rich getting richer. Um, but I think it would be naive to say that anywhere that Holland went wouldn't be the rich getting richer. Um, sure. Any club that he went to was going to be a top club that was already really good getting a, a really good player. That's, that's literally just every time a large player moves, a player of Holland's caliber moves, it is always the rich getting richer. Yeah. Literally all. It's not like he's going to go to like West Ham. No. So yeah. That been so fun. like. He was almost so like to Arsenal at one point. So I, I think that this sort of criticism of the move and being like, oh, blah, 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 the rich get richer. Blah, blah, is like, yeah, that's true. But it, like that would also be true had he gone to Real Madrid. Like that yeah. would also be true had he gone to Liverpool. Like at, that was going to be true no matter where he went. So I think that criticism um specifically about city is a is a bit silly uh, <laughs> that's just my I mean I'm not saying that it's not the rich getting richer it is the rich getting richer but it he it would have been that anywhere he went um he was already going to go somewhere always going to go somewhere that was rich with talent um there was also some criticism of that this is a like a cold-hearted move in the sense that like he just is going there because he is going to win trophies. I also think that's a silly argument to make because again, anywhere that he went was going to be a top club that was going to be in competition for trophies. So uh, my issue with some of these like anti Holland going to city arguments is that they're, they would apply to literally anywhere Holland went. Yeah. So I just think it's a silly it's just a stupid argument to make. Like, why is a, a Real Madrid fan going, oh, the rich get richer? Like, shut up. Like, you're also rich as fuck. Like, and really fucking good. Like, it would also be the rich get richer if he went there. Like, it would also be him going there because he wanted to win trophies. Like, it would also be him. Like, all those things are true, no matter where he goes, I think. So I just think those arguments are a bit he's silly. Dortmund, and that's because he's leaving to go win trophies. Yeah. And it's also not like, like every major player, when they move, that is why they're moving. Yeah. Like nobody moves because they don't want to go win, be more successful somewhere else. That's always why somebody moves. Um, yeah. When you're a player of Holland's caliber, like, Every time you move, that's why you move. So I just think it's a little bit silly. Like some of these conversations that people are having, like, I, I just think they're kind of silly. Um, what is interesting about the ethics argument that you were talking about in the oil money, basically, um, I also think in the same vein is silly, but um, not because what you were saying is silly, but because some people are saying, oh, well, like Holland has spoken up in favor of, of human rights before. So he's spitting in the face of that by going to city. Like, again, we've said this before, <laughs> literally no one who has enough money 
to own a soccer club is doing good things. Zero people. <laughs> like, every major club is owned by a bad person. Yeah, I mean, maybe bad people on slightly different levels. I would say some of the no, human rights sure. abuses taking place are definitely worse than just being a billionaire, but... No, I, I don't no, think I'm going to be honest. Like, not I think to get that political. there's a difference about going to a team to play and, like, not doing to what, get, like... I'm sorry, not to get political really fast, but I do not actually think that you can become a billionaire without having committed human rights abuses. Yeah, I would fully agree with that, actually. Um, 100%. So I think, like, we can talk about scale here, sure, but ultimately, at the end of the day, all every every football club is owned by a person or a company that is doing bad things which is why um, we should publicly own all football clubs and let the fans own them beautiful yes. idea but that is a whole different discussion essentially Sorry. this going to say that like and i also think the point you were you were seemed like you were about to make being is that going to play for a football club is is different than saying like i support everything that everybody involved in this football club has ever done like yeah I mean like I understand were we saying this, this about Chelsea like, when people were going to play in Chelsea and they were being owned by a Russian oligarch no no um, I just think it's that's what I mean like I think it's the hypocrisy of it like I think like I understand people are mad that it's city because they wanted it to be their team like I, I understand that like I I if he'd gone to Madrid I also would have been upset like I'm I'm understandable. I just think like be realistic about why you're why you're upset, right? Like you're not upset because City is because Holland has spoken up about human rights and now he's playing for a, a club that is funded by oil money. That's not that's not why you're upset. You're upset like, because he's playing for a team that's going to beat yours. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like I I just think this like false moral outrage is like it's it's hypocrisy most of it. Like yeah, like I'm just at the end of the day, like no football club is owned by good people. So I think like if you're able to separate what your football club owners do outside of the sport, because I guarantee you they do shitty things, like that you think that that means that like no one should be allowed to support City it is. No, and it's annoying, a, right? And like, it's just, you made you made the point right like you can't you you can't say this about anyone like you can't fault holland like him going to play for man city does absolutely nothing really to this entire situation but him no. speaking up on human rights does have an impact so like also like him playing for city or him choosing not to play for city was never going to be a political statement like no. and i think that's my issue with this argument is that they're acting like him choosing to play for City is a political statement. And mm. I think it literally has nothing to do with it. And I will say there's plenty of footballers who do, in my mind, do not great things when it comes to all of this. Like I just read an article today about Messi, who is apparently taking money. He's like helping promote like Saudi like tourism or something and is getting paid to be like come to this country this country is amazing yeah that in my mind that's a lot more unethical. a lot worse and a lot that's more unethical than going to play for than going to play for cities of dollars and then he's telling people 
and literally bringing money in to this government yeah, I, I that is those are directly very different human rights violations. Like I have a really big problem with that. That yeah, is a like, very different aspect, I think, than like a transfer of a player to a team. Yeah, I, I just think like politicizing the transfer of this is just when it has nothing to do with politics is I just think it's it's again, I think there is this trend, I feel like, in overall culture over the past several years of people thinking that they're not allowed to just not like something. They always have to come up with a moral reason for them to not like it, right? Like, and this happens all across pop culture, like not just in sports, but like in media where they're like, oh, well, I don't like this movie. So I have to come up with a bunch of reasons that this movie is morally bad mm-hmm. and that liking it makes you morally bad. And therefore I'm morally right for not liking it. And uh, I just don't like, like, you're allowed to just not like it. <laughs> like you're allowed yeah. to just be mad that he's not coming to your team. You're allowed to just be mad that he's like, if you were West Ham, you're allowed to just be jealous that you can't afford that. Yeah. Like that's allowed and like maybe like, there should be rules on how much money you can spend sure. more more strict rules on how much and I think there should be right like I think there should be I also want to say in defense in defense of city and that sort of like oh you spent a hundred a hundred mil last year and you spent whatever this year the point that you were making earlier about that that's true for the last two years but actually if you genuinely look at cities like City last year in the signing of Drelish was one of the first times that City had signed a like established star. Like City are not really in the habit of until Graylish and Holland, these two, these two most recent, you know, big name signings, their signings were have not been guys that were established when they signed them. Um Kevin De Bruyne, when City signed De Bruyne, was not the Kevin De Bruyne that we talk about today. Was not established star power the way that he is now. Sure, um, and I think that you can say that about Sterling, City, right? Compared to PSG, if you right. compare yes. teams, no, but that's but that's the, the same type of ownership. You can make that, that like, you can make that distinction. People like to throw around the like, oh, City's only good because they have money, and like, I'm not. Like, about to I, I do want to make the point that they I, have can money. I finish, though. Can I finish, please? I hate when you interrupt me midpoint because that's literally what I was about to say. And then you make it me sound like I'm not acknowledging that shit. Okay. I'm not about to say that city's money doesn't play into it because obviously they have a lot of money. They can afford to play the player salaries. They can afford to keep players healthy and have world-class, you know, sort of facilities and staff and all of that. But they are not buying hundred million dollar players every year. They are not. This is the first two years, last summer and this summer, that they have paid big bucks for a single player, an established player, an established star. It's not something that has been part of their model. Pep has scouted talent and then developed it. All of the, most of the guys that they have signed on while Pep has been in charge in the last several years have been guys that had potential and that Pep then polished the edges off. So I, I just think this like, oh, city, city don't, like, I just think, I wish people would acknowledge more of the work I think that Pep has done with a lot of the players that they've brought in, that most of these players were not superstars when they were brought in. And I just think that, like, it's, 
it's an entirely different situation than how Madrid runs their operation, how PSG runs their operation. It's an entirely different model. Like, and I just think that like that doesn't get discussed enough. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that people's opinions of city aren't going to change because they have that money. No, they're not. I just think they're all fucking hypocrites. Sure. And a biased potential opinion of a city fan, but my owner spends money on an NFL team. So I can't really say much about it. Well, no, I like, there are people who say shit that aren't hypocrites, but the loudest people are people, are PSG fans, are Liverpool fans, are Man United fans. And who has spent the most money without doing jack fucking shit? Manchester United. Like, I don't want to hear fucking shit, like, from a Man United fan. Like, I, I just don't. Like, like I don't want to hear it. You've spent so much money and it's gotten you nowhere. Like, at least our money is working. Like, you know, like, I, and I think that's my, like, biggest point, too, is that, like, money will will help you 100%, but that is not the only thing you need right? Because if it was the only thing you need, PSG would be better than they are. Man United would not, would be making the Champions League this year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it takes more than, yes, obviously, obviously it helps. Obviously, you know, it is an impactful, important part of being successful. I'm not arguing against that, but it is not the end, the only thing you have to have. You have to have other things too. You have to use that money well. Well, and yeah. Not of everyone course. uses not everyone uses that money intelligently. And I think City is very good at using their money. They use it really, really well. You know. But I, I want to move away from the sort of like arguments about like everybody else hating it and and us liking it, and talk a little bit more about how Holland actually fits um, into city. If you're down with that. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about um, the sort of overall playing style and things like that, but I think that one thing to consider when you're talking about um, like where Holland is going to fit into that city team is that like he is literally only 21 years old. I mean, we're talking about a player that we frequently discuss as though he were a fully formed sort of like end product. When I think the reality is like he's 21 um, and we have seen him play in a specific style. um, That does not mean that he is incapable of adapting or growing or learning or fitting a different style or playing a different way. And I think that if anybody was going to do that, like Pep Guardiola is the guy, right? Like I think he's gonna, you know, do I, I'm interested to see if they're how they're going to really do it. Um, obviously, City's a really possession-based team. Uh, Holland has been playing at Dortmund, which is not a particularly possession-based, you know, sort of style of play. So I think, like, what kind of adjustment period are we going to be looking at? Like, I, I, I think he's going to score goals. You know, like that's just he's going to score goals. But um, I think that like how he's going to fit into it is city going to adjust their entire system for him or are they going to or is pep going to adjust him for their system i think it's probably going to be a comp, um combination of both i think he's going to have to change a little some things yeah like he should try and change some things to help yeah holland's skills 
like to help his skills fit well. I think if they don't change anything, yeah. you could see it really not work actually. Yeah. But I think that I, ex- I don't expect Pep not to change things. No, I don't either. I just think that we will also perhaps see Holland change a little bit. Oh, well, you would want to, I mean, yeah, you don't want everything to mold straight to him. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I also think um, something, I don't know what just reminded me of this, but I just thought of another reason that somebody was talking about um, why Holland might have chosen to go to City in that um, there has been a lot of discussion about, and this has honestly been a, a multi-year discussion, but particularly this year, it has, it has been a discussion um, about Dortmund's potentially poor handling of injuries. Um, yes. as a club yeah yeah, um, yeah and that they have had an absolutely disproportionate amount of muscular injuries mm-hmm. um and yes. sort of repeating muscular injuries and that there was some discussion of the fact that Holland basically anytime he's remotely fit has to play for Dortmund like he cannot sit out a game like to be safe right because how they need him Whereas there's something perhaps appealing about a club with depth like City where he does not have to necessarily rush back from an injury or he can rest games. There are games where he does not have to play um, that are maybe less important or or things like that. Um, And that sort of gives a little bit more recovery time because I think there was, I'm not sure if it was Holland or somebody's, somebody in the Holland camp was saying something about how he has played too many games like that he has to play like a full 90 minutes every time Norway plays and like anytime he's capable even remotely capable of playing for Dortmund he plays the whole time you know what I mean like so I think there was just some some discussion of it being like genuinely healthier for him to be on a team that could afford to like sit him Mm -hmm. a game And there was also an interesting sort of point being made about how Pep responds to criticism of players being benched um, and basically how Pep at City is the end of the line. Like every win, every loss, every decision, Pep is like, it's it's my decision. I'm the one deciding it, right? Like he never... Um, they were making this, they were making, there's discussion I was listening to on one of the podcasts I was listening to, but um, there was this discussion of how basically at Madrid, if a guy doesn't play, right? Like if you, if you sit a guy a game and then the team loses, um, the fans freak out and they put pressure on the coach who puts pressure on the player who puts pressure on the club. And this this whole sort of like environment, whereas if like Pep will receive criticism for benching someone in a, in a big game, like and has before and or like playing somebody differently or playing not playing somebody at all or playing somebody off the bench like but every time that happens win or lose like if they lose pep is you know pep will either go like pep will always sort of make it about him and his decision and sort of like he sort of takes responsibility for all those decisions and so the the backlash of not being played in a game at City is never going to come, is never going to be at Holland. The backlash is always going to be at Pep and Pep is always happy to take that backlash, Um, which was an interesting thing that I had not really considered. This was in direct comparison, obviously, to 
Madrid. And I think like, for example, Gareth Bale's treatment is a very good example of that in the, in the sense of a player's lack of playing time is blamed on the player, um, whether or not it's the player's fault. And I think the Bale situation is a little weird and nobody knows for sure what the hell went on there. But I think the point being like Pep never, like City fans don't ever blame, very rarely blame players for not getting playing time. The upset is always with Pep if that makes sense. Um, yeah, but anyway, moral of the story, Hobbs going to City. It's going to be some interesting stuff. Um, I think that he's going to ultimately, obviously he would help anybody, but I think he also, you know, big time helps um, in, you know, some of these like grittier games where City is having issues um, just putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, like they're playing perfectly fine. They're, they're building attacks. They just can't get the ball in the net that's where a player like Holland comes in, right? Like some of these zero, zero draws where the city dominates the game, but they just can't put the ball in the net. Those zero, zero draws turn into one, nothing wins with Holland on the field. Um, and I think that's ultimately like what you need a scrappy, like box man for. And like, that's Holland's whole thing. So um, that's that. There were, I know a couple of other like transfer related things that we wanted to briefly touch on did you have anything particular in mind so we might go to arsenal which i don't want we might get gabriel jesus as well oh well we're still in all yeah players. um there well, are he's out yeah, of a job now so might as well come to somewhere he needs to play yeah basically as a result of obviously the holland move there are some discussions of city players leaving sterling and his use sort of being amongst the chief amongst them although i will say i think personally I feel like Sterling is more likely to go than Jesus. And let me, let me explain this. I mean, I don't really care. You made I it. kind of don't want either of them. So, well, not necessarily like Arsenal, Arsenal specifically, but just like in general, um, I think like Sterling is more likely to move than Jesus. And, and I think that's because like, it seems to me at least um, like Jesus has never had a like full-time starting role like he is not a guy that starts every game so it's not like he's got a starting position that's being removed by Holland he also even when he's played this year has most of the time not played in the central position he has ended up on a wing while Foden is playing the false nine um so I actually don't think he's being displaced that heavily um I don't think he really has an established spot on the field in any case right now. So while I don't think it would be ridiculous to see him leave, I wouldn't be like shocked to see him leave. I actually think Sterling seems the more likely candidate. It just seems to me like Sterling has not enjoyed a ton of success both this year or and last year with City. He just hasn't had a like a like a consistent starting role, hasn't performed super well, like just does ultimately like doesn't seem to be enjoying himself as much as he was a couple years ago. Yeah, I know he definitely isn't. So I, I, I would not be, I would actually be very not shocked um, if Sterling moved on this summer. Um, I think you said something about Frankie de Jong. Well, who knows if this is true, but he might be leaving to Man U, PSG. It sounds like Barcelona is trying to sell someone to get a lot of money because they have no money and he could sell for a good amount. Yeah. There's um, nothing confirmed, though. I think Man United is 
yeah what because people heard is like it. the place to go but he doesn't i don't think wants to go so i don't know how well, that really would fly i think it's tough because man united is is going to be a rebuild project i think yes next year i think it kind of has to be um so i guess like how much does someone like frankie Dion want to be a part of a rebuild project i don't think he's quite young enough for that to be like not that he's he's pretty young but like he's what 24 25 He's established enough at Barca. I feel like he doesn't really. He's established. He's an established enough player that he does not want to. I couldn't see yeah. him wanting to be part of a rebuild project. Um, yeah. That would not probably show fruit until he was in his later twenties. Um, but again, once again, the rumors that Pogba is fucking off um, are floating around. They literally float around every summer. So we'll see if it's legit this time. I literally feel like every single May, everyone's like, Papa's going to leave Man U. And then he literally never does. So we shall see. Um, Anybody else particularly notable? I didn't notice anything else. Oh, um, today, Lewandowski says he's leaving Bayern. Oh, yeah, I just read that. Where's he going? Real Madrid? I I heard he's going to Barca. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, um, one. Which okay, <laughs> like we'll we'll fucking see, man. I, what's Bayern gonna do is the better question. Um, who is Bayern gonna bring in? Because Dortmund have someone already, off Dortmund. <laughs> well, Dortmund have already have already brought in uh, Kareem Adiemi. Yeah, they got someone else from Dortmund. If you listen to us regularly, you will remember a, a hot minute ago, I was waxing poetic about Kareem Adeyemi and how I thought he was going to be the real fucking deal in another year or two. And where does he end up? Dortmund. Everyone knows Dortmund's a star factory. So. Yeah. So Byron will just find someone from them. I say that. I don't really know. Yeah, but Holland was their only forward. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure Byron will pluck someone out. I mean, from I'm somewhere. sure they'll figure it out. They'll just pick someone out of nowhere, probably, and they'll, they'll steal someone from somebody else. In the usual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people just leak it from the Dutch league. They seem to be able to like snag those players pretty easily from the Austrian league somewhere. We'll find yeah. somebody somewhere. Um, one last note about potential transfers. Um, thoughts on Jude Bellingham? Is he staying at Dortmund? Is he moving on? What do you think? Hmm. I don't know where he would go. He would go somewhere in the Premier League, and I don't know. I know where he would go. What? (laughs) I know where he would go. Liverpool. Yeah. That would actually be fucking cool. I'd be down with that. I think... But I think he might stay for a little bit longer. Yeah. He's only, what, 19? 18. 18, Yeah. I give him another year at Dorman. I year, uh, half I, a year maybe. I think I agree. Um, I think there was not a ton of January movement this past year. I think there is going to be a ton of January movement next year post because it's Cup. going to be post World Cup, and yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of movement in the January yeah. window, particularly I think with some young players, um, people like Jude Bellingham, but. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think he is going to stay at Dortmund, at least for the for, for the fall through the World Cup. 
Um, I would. There's, not, there's, there's no point for him to leave. He's playing. Year. There's no um, reason for him to go right now. Well, I think Liverpool is ultimately where he's probably going to end up. He seems. It seems to me to be the best fit um, for his playing style, positional needs for Liverpool, um, and just sort of like I don't think any of the other really big clubs in. England, which you presume is where he was going, is going to go because yeah. basically all England players return to England. Yeah. Um, and none of the other uh, English clubs really need uh, anyone where he plays. Um, I'll except take for, him. Except for Liverpool. I'll take him. Um, I don't really need him, but I'd take him. Well, I know. Yeah, obviously anybody would take him, but I think like Liverpool is, is ultimately where he's going to end up. Um, but I do think you're right. I do think he is going to stay at least yeah, for a little bit, a little bit for longer, the immediate future. Um, I think that I also think like Dortmund's business model doesn't generally let have like let all of their big money players go at once. No, um, no, I think it'll be staggered. Yeah, so because yeah, Holland, they gotta give themselves time to build up the new stars and then they'll start letting the older yeah, people because go. Holland, because Holland has left. Um, I think that means Bellingham stays, yeah. But so. um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I heard about that I want to It's still pretty drop early on. Real quick. So. Yeah, it is pretty early on. But I was saying this um, the other day that the biggest story in the transfer window for so long, literally, I feel like for like a year and a half, um, almost, yeah, like a year and a half has been Holland and Mbappe, right? And that's sort of dominated the sort of any discussion of transfers. So I think now that that's starting to get settled, we're going to hear more rumors about other different people. Um, oh, we totally forgot a topic. Chelsea well, got bought. <laughs> oh, this is true. I thought Chelsea it was really has, funny. Chelsea um, has avoided calamity. As we discussed um, last week, and they have been bought yeah. by a non-Russian oligarch. Yep. So they all should be all set for the next year. Um, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would say they're all set. Uh, it does appear that their entire defense is leaving. Oh, um, sorry. I meant more like they they can bring in more players to defend to like <laughs> buy players to fix bring the in fact players. that their defense is leaving. Yes, yes, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yes. But I think it's, I think it was really funny actually that we, we recorded last Thursday and then news basically broke on Friday, Friday yeah. um, as basically we were publishing the episode that Chelsea was getting, was likely to get bought. Um, and then the deal went through on Saturday and what's done is done. So uh, the Chelsea drama saga appears to be over. Um, and they can go back to their regularly scheduled Chelsea-ness. Which who knows, really? They're kind of a wild card because I don't really know what they're they about are to a wild card because sometimes they look great and sometimes you're like, what the fuck is going on over there? But um, we didn't mention this, actually. We forgot to mention this um, when we were talking about Premier League games, but Christian Pulsey did score this week. Woohoo for him. He's Shout not, out to Captain America. He hasn't been inspiring me one bit. So while we're talking about transfers and Chelsea, though, he is someone that I genuinely I think he should go somewhere else. He needs he's not Um, playing enough. He needs to go. I heard a rumor or two that may have been wishful thinking from a fan of this club, 
but I have heard a rumor too that West Ham was interested. Um, that, I like that move. That feels like a good move to me. I agree. Um, I like that move. West Ham is a competitive team. They are, we're definitely pushing, you know, for European spots and potentially even a top four spot at certain times during this year. Yeah. Um, I think they add a, the right player or two and they keep a hold of the right player or two. Um, I like that could, for him. Actually. It can make a really, and I think he fits. I think that's a good fit for him. Um, it's still, you know, a European playing team. To me though, I don't know that I see him giving up the Champions League. Um, well, no, but he doesn't play in the Champions League. So I'd rather you play I know, in the Europa but, League than not play in the Champions League, even if your team is like, in the Champions honest, League. This no, but be, I agree with you. But I this just, may be me being not kind enough to push him. Kind of downers on Pulisic recently, but this is more of a like, um, like a personal, personal, like a personal personality sort of thing. Uh, okay, but it is an assumption I have just decided to make that I have no real basis for. I just feel it. Um, I got gotcha. you. So I know be, that. I got gotcha. you. This yeah. could be a hundred percent off base, and I could absolutely be speaking out of my ass here but um I feel like when you are Christian Pulisic and you have had this American star power for so long giving up being on a team that plays in the Champions League basically every year when in particular you have guys like so many teammates um, national team teammates that play at big clubs in Europe that play and are very successful personally in the Champions League I don't know that I see him giving it up no I don't think he will I think and I but I also think though that that's not just him I, I just think generally once players get two teams that play in the Champions League they don't give up playing on those teams even if they don't see the field that much yeah that easily yeah if that makes sense no i i would agree i think that that's an accurate statement um, i do think however that like it ultimately could benefit him to go to west ham for a couple of years and get consistent playing time yeah um and then i don't think it would be unreasonable for him to go back to a big six club yeah if he you know can get some consistency in his playing um that he couldn't be there again but I just don't know at this point that I really see him with a consistent starting position at Chelsea yeah I agree I agree with all of that and I would like him to be playing before this world cup run if possible I agree so it'll be interesting to see if he does move this summer there's been a lot of chatter about him potentially moving this summer and I think that's probably the most likely U.S. national to move around He's the Europe one I would summer. want to move. I don't really want anyone else to really move. Everyone else plays um, where I they think are. Tyler Adams is pretty good at Leipzig. Wes McKinney and Juventus have an absolutely lovely relationship with each other. They love each other very yeah. deeply. Um, Reina's fine yes. at Dortmund. Reina's fine at Dortmund, especially for, for the year, for the next year. I think he's yeah, he, also, I, I like Bellingham. I, I think if he, he could move after the World Cup, um, I don't expect Aronson to move this summer. However, I yeah. will say that is someone I do anticipate Post-World if Cup. the U.S. has a decent showing at the World Cup that Aronson will move in January of next year. Yes. Um, yeah. 
I don't, I don't know about Dest and, and Barca. I just heard he might leave. I've, I've heard that as well, but also he's been injured a bunch this year. So yeah. I don't know how likely that is. Um, I don't know either. Or also like, it's hard to tell where he stands in the bar, in the Barca hierarchy because he's been injured yeah, so much this injured. year. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so it's tough to tell. I don't know necessarily that I'm, I'm neither for nor against him moving, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, what else? Well, Josh Sargent and Norwich have gotten relegated. Um, I don't think he's going to move though. Honestly, I don't think it's an issue him playing in the championship. It matters no, if he plays. Either. He's going to play. I'd rather him play. He's also going to score more goals in the championship. Yeah, um, it may help his confidence. And I think like his for his confidence going in like playing time and and form going into the World Cup, I think I'd rather almost rather him be playing in the championship where he's scoring a lot of goals. Yeah. Um on the flip side of that though, um Anthony Robinson and yeah. Fulham are coming up. I know, so exciting. Anthony he's Robinson really stuck on a team in. that goes up and down, up and down. He but really he is. Plays. He's been he, yo-yoing up but and down. He's, good he's a starter he there. For them he's a, and yeah. he's gonna play in the Premier League and I like he has a solid good. place on that team. He shouldn't be leaving. I like Fulham Agreed. as a team. Like, he should be good there. Um, I think Tim Weah is pretty pretty happy where he's at. Yes. Uh, um, I wonder if we will see um, Pifak move. Mm. He was really successful at Young Boys this year. Scored a lot of goals in the Champions League. Um, Again, I don't anticipate him moving before the World Cup. Yeah, I do think a lot of them, the U.S. men's national team moved. I do think there's going to be quite a bit of movement or at least a, a handful of movement um, following following the World Cup. Also, depending um, so on the performance think, in the World Cup, I think we'll yes. that. Oh, 100%. But I think U.S. men's national team players that are most likely to move this summer, definitely Pulisic. If anybody's going to move, it's going to be him. And he probably should. If anybody... I don't know that anybody else necessarily should move this summer. Yes, there are some no, exactly. people that like if they moved, it would be fine. Yeah, there are some people who definitely shouldn't move. Yes. and then there are some people who it doesn't really matter either way. Right. Pulisic is maybe the only one who should move. Um, but yep, I think uh, that's all I got to say about transfers. That's all I can think of right now in terms of people. I'll probably think of like three people after we stop recording. We can add it in. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about more about transfers. It'll be all we have to talk about over the summer. I know. So sad. All right. Well, all right. Well, with that, I'm, next week is going to be, uh, there's going to be some fun Premier League games. So plenty to talk about as last, continue. Yeah. And we will preview the Champions League final next week as well. Um, last week next week will be our very last recording before the end of the premier league yes. so we will have we'll preview championship sunday um we'll be able yeah are you raising your hand <laughs> um i should we should just mention fa cup final is this yeah. saturday so we will discuss that next week um yep but just as a little bit of a preview of some of the big games coming up and kind of the conclusion of all of these competitions yeah. for the year. So we will, we'll sort of, we'll have, that'll be the big, the big headline of the weekend, probably, um, unless something crazy happens in the Premier League, which you never know. Probably um, will, but that's the fun of it. 
yeah, something probably something crazy probably will happen in the Premier League, but um, we'll, we will know that it still happens. So we will talk hopefully about it. Arsenal plays on Monday, so hopefully nothing will happen to them. <laughs> It'll happen on Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> Only Saturday or Sunday. Um, but we will chat about all of that stuff in another most likely long episode next week. Yep. Okay. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.